0: Yeah, and he just kept saying, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Do it it. again. Do it again. No. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) That's a one time thing But he just kept saying that to her like over and over He was so pissed like don't talk to me
1: I have no idea who you are or what you're doing here (laughs) See Alicia that would be the cold open Except she's the one that edits it
2: (laughs) it. (laughs) That would be such a good cold open though (laughs) It's always me forgetting stuff or fucking up (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? Like he just keeps on doing it (laughs) Oh my god
0: welcome to the word of the witnesses we are 12 monkeys rewatch podcasts i am one of your hosts beep and i am joined as always by the lovely Cece. hello we have a new guest panelist so welcome to alicia hi hey, hey. tell us a little about you where you're recording from and where we can find you on social media
2: Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm recording from Houston, Texas. Um, I, uh, I'm in real life. I'm an engineer, but online I'm a fan artist. So I post a bunch of fan art. Um, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at series underscore station. That's, uh, the expanse reference, which I'm also a big fan of. And, um, yeah, I post art there and yell about TV and. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. You are a real life Jones. Like you have a PhD <laughs>
1: in the sciences and you also like love and are really good at art. You're a real
2: life Jones. That um. is like the best, like highest compliment. <laughs> I will try my whole life to live up to that because she's amazing. <laughs> Need to get glasses like hers. <laughs> <laughs> and a trench coat and just fold a cigarette.
1: You can uh, still God. hold a cigarette in Texas lots of places, right?
2: I have no idea. I totally, <laughs> I, I get a headache if I'm, like, even close to cigarettes, So I'm, I'm not be- as hardcore.
0: Wait, <laughs> just hold is- it. You don't have to light it. It's okay. Just hold it.
2: Um. Oh. Wait, this is relevant to the show. What's your hometown? Uh yes, so I'm from Southern Ontario, and I have an assignment from you to at some point <laughs> when I'm at home go see the house. Yeah, pil- yeah. Yeah. You gotta do no. the pilgrimage. And I think there's actually a lot of other um like filming locations, right? Nearby. I don't I, like they filmed in and around Toronto. hmm I think so, so. right? Yeah. So I grew Uh, up in Toronto. (laughs) Yeah, all
0: those sites are on uh, ProjectSplinter.com. They actually did. They did a really good job of putting all that
1: stuff together.
2: Yes, I promise. One day I will go and I will take a selfie (laughs) of myself. Hopefully, (laughs) they don't like tear it down before that. Oh God, that would be so sad. Oh,
1: that would be really sad. Okay, just don't tell us. Make up a lie like parents do about goldfish. Okay, and just be like I couldn't, I <laughs> couldn't get there. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> or it um, was there and my
2: my camera didn't work. It's fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so folks may know Alicia's voice because when we did our favorite moments podcast, you sent in the recording that like actually made us cry because your favorite moment was. The Jones family um, seated around having a drink in one minute more.
2: Good, because I made me cry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you also have done, when you say you've done fan art, like you're – your art is amazing, and you've done a couple twelve monkeys drawings, right? You've just started doing this.
2: I those. have, yeah. I am super finicky when it comes to fan art, so I kind of just draw whenever and whatever strikes my fancy. And I'm I love casserole so much, so definitely drawn them and and Jennifer, as as Beep knows.
0: <laughs> I got uh, a beautiful Jennifer in Vancouver sweater and all.
1: Yeah, and I got I, I got casserole in the keys. Ah. In the tux in the red dress. So thank you.
2: So inspired. The show is so inspiring. Yeah, it makes me want to draw. So that's.
1: Are you ready to enter our gauntlet?
2: Ooh, yes, yes. I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'm
2: ready. I did my homework. (laughs) (laughs) I love it.
1: You were like doing your homework and like just sending us all these like messages last night. It was so great. (laughs) I love (laughs) when people do their homework. Um, Why do you love 12 Monkeys?
2: So I kind of came, I my brain was super scattered about this because it's very like emotionally involved for me. But um, so I came up with three reasons for this. So first of all, I just wanted to say it's technically a very strong TV show. So they have like incredible consistency in their plot and character. Their music's amazing. Their locations are amazing. Like all the other things aside, just technically speaking, it's a show that's a joy to watch. Like people worked really hard on it and you can tell. And then on the emotional side, uh, I just love how much the show loves love. <laughs> it, it almost it respects it. It it's reverent of it, Um, and not just like love uh, that's like romantic love. Because I like I said, I love casserole, but also love of family, of friendship, of like how you define your own family just by the people that you love, and how you can choose that, and like the connection between people. I, like it's really hard to kind of talk about that in a sci-fi show because these the stakes in a sci-fi show are so um they can be abstract but they can also be like too big at the same time like there's time travel and the world's ending and all this crazy stuff is happening but then why all of that matters it's because of the people and the love and the characters it it doesn't really matter whether it's time travel or whether it's like they're in space or what like all of that doesn't matter like what it comes down to it is the characters and why they're important to each other and why they love each other. So I really think the show does that really, really well. And then the last thing I came up with is that um, just right now with everything happening in the real world and then also just a lot of the entertainment that we're consuming, sometimes like I'm a, I'm a born cynic, I will admit that. And so sometimes it's really easy to feel that uh, there's no sort of justice in the world, like some no sort of like divine, universal sense of justice, like universal sense of right. And so I really love that, At like, at the end of watching all four seasons of this show, I felt like there was a sense of justice in this world, like, oh, sometimes you do win. And when you win, it's amazing. And it makes whatever happened worth it. And you get to celebrate with the people that you love. And that that sense of like, yes you win like I, now when I go back and I watch the earlier seasons of the show I feel like I feel so smug for them because I'm like huh you're gonna win like <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know <laughs> so so I like except except for Olivia <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> I mean yeah that's true <laughs> you're gonna become a yeah no no we don't talk about her no <laughs> we can still
1: feel smug but we're feeling yeah, smug because yeah. she's gonna end up a corpse in the Himalayas
2: <laughs> yeah it's just it's so rare to like feel that that sense of like it it makes me be less of a cynic and that's a huge deal for me and so yeah that those are why i love this show
1: that's important i mean that's mm-hmm. basically saying that art inspires you to like think the world can be better I yeah mean, what more could you want from art right exactly like, yeah um who's your favorite character
2: Oh, this one's really hard. I know this is probably hard for everyone because it's like, what day is it today? (laughs) 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 And like, how many shows, by the way, do you have that have three different – I count – Jennifer was a scientist too. There are three female scientists on the show. I am like, I could choose – from these people. (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, I, I will like narrowing it down. I was thinking it's like, definitely it's either Cole or Cassie. And, um, for why I love Cassie, I think like I listened to Megan's podcast and she was, she said it much better than I could ever say it. So just listen to her. (laughs) But, (laughs) but, um, for Cole, I think that's definitely like an like an on-brand character for me like i have a huge weakness for kind of like scrappy characters who are like weighed down by the world but like they have a heart of gold they like get better over time because of like love and friendship and they become hopeful and um yeah i I love i love cole because of his evolution i mean i love him early on too when he's like he has like shifty eyes and it's like (laughs) squirrely and, and violent but like what the transformation that he goes through, like even just, um, watching this episode, like the episode we're going to talk about today, but, and, and he's all like, Oh, you know, we saved somebody and that made a difference. Like just that it's so huge for him to learn those lessons and watching him and going on that journey with him is so wonderful. So yeah, I, I wanted to give Cole his moment to shine. <laughs> You, fi- so we finally have because he's my favorite character,
1: oh, and you're the first yay. person we've had on that's, at, yeah, that. Oh, I'm so excited! So I have company for this pod. Um, yeah, like he's he's when you said that he's like your like he's basically like my kryptonite, like yeah, somebody <laughs> exactly. who you used- – Right? Like, somebody who used to fuck up all the time and then is trying to do better, is loyal to a fault. Like, mm-hmm. especially you see in this episode, like, compassionate when a yeah. lot of people wouldn't be. Um And just, like... Stands by people like when he tells Joe's at the end of this episode. I'm still. I'm just like, ah, oh, this this, right. this character is my kryptonite. And like, yeah.
2: part of it is also seeing him through other people's eyes, like the way Cassie sees Cole, the way Jones sees Cole, the way Ramsey and Jennifer see Cole. Like, I can't help but see. through their eyes and they believe in him so much. And they, even when he is like making mistakes or whatever, like they they still believe in him. And I'm like, okay, well, I believe in him too. Like I want him to win too because all of these people who are so... Amazing and in their own way, like also want him to to do well. Even though doing well means he's going to get a race and all of that, we don't talk about that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but like they they all see something in him, and that makes me see something in him. And he really he lives up to that, uh, and and that's the best part.
1: Yeah, he's also, like, a man that believes in all of the talent and brilliance of the women around Mm -hmm. him, is not threatened by it, It treats them as equal partners. Like, right now, it's sort of like, yeah, I I would really like to watch more of that on TV (laughs) because…
2: Kind of hits the sensitive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, yeah. I I love honestly like his relationship with Jennifer especially is something that makes me I'm so weak for that that friendship because like um you know like when he goes to Paris and and Jennifer being in Paris first of all is is my favorite thing but when they make up and when he's like you know when he accepts that you are my friend you're important to me and all like I'm just like oh my god it's so it's so rare and it's so amazing like it just it makes my heart so full to see see him like reaffirm that friendship and and he does that with all of the characters over and over again like he tells them they're important to him yeah all right so we know your favorite moment <laughs> what's your favorite episode? Um still one minute more I have to say. So I actually it's like all of season 4. Season 4 I think is just a masterpiece of television. There's like the um, Diaglock is amazing. Demons is amazing. Um, one minute more, the finale is amazing. Like, I just every single episode in season four is incredible. Um, and one minute more definitely emotionally messed me up the most. <laughs> so um, I'm gonna say it's my favorite that way. Um, and just because I think the Hannah story is it's still like a, a tear crying trigger for me. Like I just think about it and it wants to like I want to cry. Um, but I think uh, also structurally, um uh, in terms of just telling a story, and then using their conceit, which is time travel, I think both Thief and Lullaby are like two of my other all-time favorite episodes. I know I'm copping out because you said one favorite episode. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to pick. Yeah, it's really hard. But like Thief and Lullaby, I think if I just think about like, oh, how are they using the concept of their show? I think those two episodes use it absolutely the best. Like those are incredible episodes. If anybody wants to write something about time travel, like I would say watch those two things.
1: Do you think Cassie stopped the countdown?
2: Yes, no question. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I. So when I first watched the um, the finale, I it I honestly didn't even. I didn't even think about it that there was an alternative Um, like to me the leaf was it was autumn time was moving on um, it felt very organic Uh, I I really didn't even think about it and then (laughs) you sent me those articles and I'm sorry (laughs) I was like oh no (laughs) Um, and I still like even after reading those and like thinking about it and listening to um, Terry's interview and Sean's interview and Amanda's interview which by the way was a I really loved it. Um, I still think that uh, it just, it doesn't go with who Cassie is and it doesn't go with the story. Like Cassie is consistently, somebody wants to heal people. She says it. She's like, I want to heal people and fix things. And I just, I can't believe that Cassie, somebody who in every version of reality, whether it's like this loop or the next loop or like the Red Forest, she's a doctor in every single one of them. And like, she chooses to be a doctor in, ev- like, she, she never backs out of that, um, responsibility. And so I just, I don't think that she would ever, like, take this decision. And then also, I just don't think it makes sense in terms of the story because, um, everybody has to go back and finish their loop after this happens. And I know everyone says, like, oh, the Red Forest is whatever you want it to be. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, um, a couple of, like, there's one time uh, it's in season two and Jennifer takes or like Jennifer gives Jones the tea or something. And like, she explains what the red forest is and she explains the primaries relationship with time. And to me, that's the most face value description of the red forest. Um, And, and, that's not what I think happens at the end. So um she says like, oh, time will evolve. And if there's the red forest, there's there's no time and everything's being born and dying at the same time. Like that description that Jennifer gives, I think that's the most real description that we get in the show. And um yeah, whatever anyone else says is just fluff.
1: That's a really good point. No one has pointed to that. So and that's in a
2: couple. That's that's just soon, the corner. yeah. So yeah. you guys, yeah, you'll you'll come across it pretty soon. And um and there's like a interesting point there too, like about about how time evolves. And and I, I think like she she tells she has no other reason to like not tell the truth. And this is like Chicken Jennifer too. So she has a lot more experience and she knows everything that has happened. She's said goodbye to Cassie and Cole, right? Like I think she like I believe her. <laughs> um i did
1: not it did not also when i finished that when i finished it i also it did not occur to me that that's what the red leaf meant right i thought it was i thought it was more um what olivia's point was in um demons where she's like uh so are so heroes you guys are fighting to die why why are you doing that you know when she's and so i thought it was more like here's this happy ending but just like for all of us it will end Right. And I thought that the leaf was symbolizing that beep. Did did it occur to you when you watched it and before you read anything else, like you finished the episode? Did it did it hit you at all that it could mean that? Yes, it It, absolutely
0: did. The leaf specifically, I will tell you what I did not notice. I did not notice she didn't stop the countdown on
1: screen. Ah, okay.
0: I didn't notice that at all because I just so blatantly assumed that she did. Yeah. I didn't, it just never occurred to me. But as soon as I saw the leaf, I was like, oh, crap, we're leaving this open-ended.
2: Well, and the, the story also goes through that really quickly. Like, oh, you know, she ends the countdown. That's what I'm saying. And then, and then, you know, she's seeing Cole again, and then it's over, and then there's like this big release, and then all the goodbyes. So I'm just like, emotionally, I don't even think that I would have thought more deeply about that the first time. Like, it's just, oh, okay, right, this is what's right. happening.
1: So would you stop the countdown?
2: I would like to think that I would. Like, it, I think it just, uh, oh, this was hard. Cause I was like, it feels unfair not to. Like, it, it feels like I'm saying I'm more important or my motives are more important than like everybody else. And I don't know that I've ever felt that way. Um, so then I'm like, then I went down a spiral of like, well, why don't I feel that way? Like, I, I should feel like what I'm doing is important. <laughs> 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 but, like, I, but I really I really don't think that I would feel ever that. Whatever, whatever reasons I was doing it for and maybe I haven't found those reasons and maybe that's why I feel that way. But I also just think it's such it's such a good opportunity because pressing the button meant that you got a second chance to do things again. <laughs> and or uh, oh I or potentially that's what that's what they were going for. Yes. I mean, in Cassie's case, um, Cole was going to be erased and all of that. But like it was also like a reset button. <laughs> and when do you get a reset button like you you just don't so i think it was like actually a really good opportunity to press the button um which ex- is exactly
0: what they say in the pilot the very 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 first voiceover says what if there was a reset button oh exactly oh have to. <laughs> i mean it's like end of story yeah you in the pilot yeah. what happened yeah
2: exactly so, case, case th- closed. Case <laughs> closed. <laughs> um,
1: what, do you have a favorite era for costumes?
2: I do. So, is it in the 60s um, when Cassie's like in the blue dress and mm-hmm. the glass? Yeah, I was like when, they, when Cassie and Cole step out the, of the elevator, that image is so strong in my mind. So, I love that one. And then I also love the costume party in the 1800s. Oh my gosh, all of their costumes are so intricate and, and, ama- I don't even know how they, like, they seem so uncomfortable, honestly, <laughs> but, <laughs> but they look amazing. Um, and then, I, like, I'm giving you multiple choice answers here. But no, <laughs> I, I also really like the um, the outfits in the medieval times. Like, there's something really badass about them. I don't know what it is. I know they're, like, black and brown and stuff. But, like, the way they're, like, all walking in a group or they're, like, on horses. And, oh, it looks so good. I know. It's so funny, too, because they're it looks so epic when mm-hmm. they're, like, walking across
1: the field with the music. But then yeah. Jennifer cuts to Jennifer being like, can't we call an Uber? <laughs>
2: Oh, my God. Yeah, no, I, I they look, they just look so powerful in that. And like, I part of it is probably Yeah, like the scenery and the music and everything. Um, but yeah, and then like that, like juxtaposed with like, even Jennifer earlier, I love her in that episode when she's like asking, like, Oh, I'm just like passing pass a thing like through through the landis. Like she is like, <laughs> <bullshitting>. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, but yeah, no, they just look so good in the episode.
1: Um and I think you've already answered cuz you've <laughs> as the show made you cry. <laughs> You're like, so, much. <laughs> so one minute more was that that was your pr- I actually yeah. remember when you watched that yeah. and I honestly <laughs> felt I felt really bad because I felt like it really
2: fucked you up. It really, it. really fucked me up because I watched um, – I think I binged season four in, like, a day. Like, it, it was it was a lot already. Like, I was very emotionally unstable at that point because, like, Daughters <laughs> is really heavy. Like, Deacon had – anyway, it was, a lot had happened in that day, which was, like, all of season four. So I was probably, like, emotionally vulnerable already, but, like – that really got to me bad. Like when Hannah, when he's reading the letter, I was like, I was crying so hard that I had, yeah, I had to like stop the TV and just, just sit there for a while. And then I regret not taking a picture of my tissue paper pile because it was certainly <laughs> a tissue paper pile. <laughs> um But yeah. Wait, that's,
1: is that, you call it, a, is this a Canadian thing? You call it a tissue paper? Like when you Versus blow like your nose? Versus Kleenex? Or a tissue? Tissue, what, what do you call it? I think of tissue paper as like something you put in a gift bag.
2: Oh, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I know. That. Wait, then what do you call a tissue that you like? Like a nose tissue, a tissue. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, or a Kleenex. Know there was, <laughs> yeah, that's very common as well. Yeah. Like. Kleenex. I would yeah. say I
2: would say one or the other. I'd say like Kleenex or, or tissue. I don't know, but maybe that's. Yeah, I've never said tissue <laughs> alone. That seems weird. It seems lonely because <laughs> you
0: need to know if it's toilet tissue or tissue like there's,
2: there's like categories <laughs> That seems Maybe. Loose. Maybe. I have no <laughs> idea but I will say about the crying though it's so funny because like when I was watching it the first time straight through that's that that was when I like was most affected but now I'm like such an easy cry for this show like everything <laughs> makes me cry I was re-watching the pilot I don't know like a couple of days ago and there's I don't even know when it happens but at some point Cole says oh 1 minute left and I like I like cried <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. The pilot's brutal. The pilot's oh my brutal god. Now. It's so yeah, it's so hard. And then yeah, when he was taking the watch, I cried. I was like, oh my god, I don't even <laughs> I don't even know what's wrong with me. But like all these <laughs> random things make me cry now when I watch the show. <laughs> but yeah, the first time that's what it was that just broke me.
1: So I'm so excited, Leisha, because our last podcast, we um we're talking about Alice in Wonderland, um, and the song, uh, White Rabbits that was, um, playing at the season two premiere when Jennifer was walking. And we put on Twitter the gif of, um, Madeline Stowe's primary saying drink me and then we were basically kind of like floundering because none of us are like Alice in Wonderland aficionados and you come on this week and you are so you're going to give us a little tutorial right on Alice in Wonderland and 12 Monkeys before we dive into Mm -hmm. 202 primary
2: so yeah I was so excited this is so like I didn't actually see that tweet I hadn't seen it until after we talked about it and I was just uh, watching 201 to kind of you know get context for uh, today's episode, and I was like, okay, let me just listen to this song properly. And I was like, oh, it's an Alice in Wonderland. It's an Alice in Wonderland. Like I got so excited, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't keep it together. And then I, you know, it's like let me let me think about like how because yes, we talked about the tea, and you said you you kind of spoke about um, the the tea and the drink me aspect of it, and it's like you know what, there's so much here, so. Um, yeah, A little background on Alice in Wonderland. Um, first of all, I've loved Alice in Wonderland since I was like five years old. I'm uh, obsessed with it. I have like a poster and like all these like like a tote and it's just yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, but so Lewis Carroll, do you guys know um, Lewis Carroll's real name or real job?
1: No, but he it, I, I have a general sense that he was a little creepy.
2: About his motivations as to why he wrote it. (laughs) Was he Uh, a doctor? um, No, he was a mathematician. Oh, I'm thinking Seuss. No. (laughs) 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 Carry on. I loved that. (laughs) But but yeah, he he was uh, his name was Charles Dodgson. Um, So yeah, a little dodgy. No, terrible. (laughs) Moving on. But um, he was a mathematician and he taught math. He was actually a math teacher for like decades and that was his day job. And he wrote on the side and like mostly he was writing like humor and satire and stuff. And then eventually, of course, um, Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass, which is the sequel. But they're both like collections of stories or collections of chapters that don't. I mean, they have kind of a general through line. Um, Through the Looking Glass is more of a novel than Alice in Wonderland is. Um, but they both have mostly it's a lot of like symbolism and imagery, even though uh, like a face value, it seems like complete nonsense. So um, Charles Lewis Carroll, he was a mathematician and he uh, was a huge fan of like Euclidean geometry, like three dimensions, old school, old school math, like, you know, the way things have always been. And around the time that he was alive, um, there was a lot of new What we call new math. So it would still be decades before like the theory of relativity and all that. But people are starting to play around with more than three dimensions. Like, how do you do four dimensional math is the fourth dimension time. Or can you um, come up with shapes that are in multiple dimensions? And all of this, all of this exists now, all of this math, especially like non-Euclidean math, it exists and we have the theory of relativity and all that, but he was very judgy about it. And so, (laughs) so on one hand, he's like telling these stories um, to his like family friends who had these three kids, one of whom was Alice, although he still like denies that that was the Alice, but like her name was Alice, so I don't know, Uh, but, um, but. on on the other hand he's also these stories have a lot of like um logic issues and they make a lot of commentary on what he thought was like the new fangled math that he wasn't approval approving of and there's no okay there's no real way to kind of prove that he like he personally like you know there's no interviews or anything where he was like i hate this new math but um there's enough proof in alice in wonderland of like what Different new theories he's referring to. And so, so yeah, so there's, so Alice in Wonderland has just a ton of like math, a ton of, uh, like logic issues, circular storytelling. All these things are really big because that's what he was into in his actual life. And so now how it relates to, um, 12 monkeys. So <laughs> I think somebody in the create- creator's team, some, one of the writers is like just as I'm big. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Hold on mm-hmm. one second. I'm sorry.
0: Are you basically telling me that this dude was, like, get off my lawn to, like,
2: other mathematicians <laughs> Basically. Because they weren't mathy enough? Like, what? <laughs> he was, so, yeah, he was, like, known as, oh, he's a talented mathematician and all of that. But, like, he didn't actually, like, and he taught math. But I don't think, as far as I know, I don't think he, like. Did any research or like you know came up with math? (laughs) Yeah, he was basically just like making commentary, like the way he wrote satire about other issues. Like in his writing, he'd be like, "Oh, I'm gonna write a satire on this new math," (laughs) and that's what Alice in Wonderland is like um, hiding (laughs) in plain sight. What? This is crazy.
0: I had. Isn't that wild? Oh I my just God. thought somebody was on drugs. <laughs>
1: I know. <laughs> yeah. So that and, <laughs> and had some, you know, maybe inappropriate
2: feelings for Alice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so, uh-huh. so now, like specifically with both Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass, both of these stories, they are Alice's dream, and a huge part of the storytelling structure that he liked was stories that end at the beginning, and so he would <gasps> write. Circular stories, and there are chapters within... Alice that are also circular and so he would play there's a lot of symbolism with time and, and clocks and circles and I'm like I'm going to give you a few examples which are going to blow your mind because it's oh, crazy it but, it um, but yeah so the overall structure of both books is to end at the beginning um, and they actually talk about that too within the stories and there's, uh, there's one chapter this is kind of a throw off reference but there's one chapter in Alice in Wonderland um, I forget what the chapter is called but there's a Race. It's called the caucus race. I think that might be what the chapter is called actually. Um, and they basically, uh, they have been in the sea of tears and they're all wet <laughs> and they're sad. And so they they want to dry off. And so somebody comes up with the idea that, oh, we should run a race in a circle. <laughs> and no one starts at the same point. No one's trying to win and no one's like racing. They're just going in a circle kind of randomly, and no one knows where the beginning is, no one knows where the end is, but in the end, everyone is wins. Is that the
0: Disney movie when they're just, like, running around that pole for
2: no reason? <laughs> I don't remember this. <laughs> the cartoon. Be- Be- Beep what? and I are
0: just sitting here like, can, can we tie it back to the Disney movie? <laughs> these people are just, like, running around in a circle. While, so, like, the yeah,
2: that's probably it. So yeah, actually that, that sounds like, so I'm going to be honest, like I've watched the Disney movie once, but I've read the book so many times that it has completely like superseded any knowledge or memory that I have of the movie. But yeah, that sounds right. <laughs>
1: beep, beep, you and I have like the Walmart level of understanding
2: about Alice in but now, now I feel like I need to watch this because it's so what happens at the end of this race is like they're all dry. So they no longer have like the sea of tears on them and everyone wins. <laughs> and that makes sense. Yeah, because the
0: the waves kept coming in, and they were like, "You're never gonna get dry. You just keep mm-hmm. running in the yeah. waves."
2: And then, like, and then they start demand. This is, again, this like goes into the book then, because they start re- demanding um, that Alice give them all a prize, and she's like, "No, fuck that! Like goodbye." <laughs> so, and she she just leaves that, and then like goes to the next thing. Fuck you and your <laughs> uninspired math. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, so there's yeah, again, he he makes a lot of like a lot of judgy commentary about like. Um, Oh, things – and there there were – like, there's some detail about which, like, mathematical theories go with, like, which chapters, but, like, that's boring. <laughs> so, um, especially it's, like, somebody being stodgy at, like, math that ultimately became, like, well-respected and, and the real understanding of the world. But <laughs> anyway, so, so, yeah, so the, the beginning at the end thing, that's one. So – the major, major, major thing that deals with 12 monkeys is the tea party episode. And you said you talked a little bit about the tea already, but the tea party episode is the main character one of the main characters in the tea party episode that's missing is time so oh my god yeah so in the so what happens in the tea party is alice shows up and um all of them are asking each other all the people at the it's a bunch of insects basically like really big insects there's the mad hatter there's the dormouse who's asleep and like um, yeah, it's it's basically completely crazy. But what they're doing is they're asking each other riddles and they're moving from seat to seat and they keep moving in a circle around like they're they just keep changing places, but they're just moving in a circle. And so Alice shows up and she's like, one, I don't want to waste time with riddles. That's like the first thing she says when they're like, oh, we want to ask you a riddle or or I think they want her to ask them a riddle. She's like, I don't want to waste time. And then the hatter tells her like. Oh, no, like, uh, you don't you don't waste time. Like, I, I know time. It's a him. <laughs> and then Alice, like, he knows that Alice doesn't know time. Like, I know time. <laughs> You've never spoken to him. And so then Alice is like, confused. because, like, first of all, he's referring to time as a person. And she's like, Oh, yeah, I guess I only really know. All I know about time is like how to beat time when I'm learning music. And then the the header's like, oh, my gosh, like, don't the time won't stand being beaten like you. mm -mm." But if you wanted to make friends with him, he would do anything with the clock for you. So if you made friends with time, he would do anything for you. Like, for example, if, and this is what the hatter tells Alice, he's like, say you wanted to skip lesson time, like, all you do is you just skip forward from 9 a.m. to half past one. And then she's like, oh, that's lunchtime, but what if I'm not hungry or anything? And then he's like, no, then you can just keep it half past one as long as you like. <laughs> so so here's like, oh, okay, right. well, now, now time is a character. You, if you're friends with him, he'll do whatever you want. Um, and while they're talking about this, they all move around in, in a they move spots again. And um, in a, <laughs> they keep going in a circle. And she's like, she's wondering why they're doing this. And so had, the header's saying like, oh, actually, he had a fight with time. So time used to be my friend, but we had a fight. And now they're forever stuck. The tea party is forever stuck at tea time. So, <laughs> so they move around in a circle, but time doesn't pass. And it's always tea time. <laughs> and Alice asks the hatter, okay, well, what happens when you come back to the beginning? Like you're just going, what happens when you're back at the beginning? And the hatter changes the subject. He's like, at least, he lit- like, oh, let's change the subject. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the that's a, that's a main story about the hatter and the time. They had a quarrel and they're forever stuck in time. But if you made friends with him, he would help you out. This is, like, breaking my brain. Did so, you see the movie Through the Looking Glass? I uh, So, I haven't seen it, but I did know that Time was a major character in that, too. So, like, when I was trying to think, like, oh, I know Time has something to do... With the tea party and the hatter or something, but I like couldn't remember. And then when I looked it up, like time showed up as like Sacha Baron Cohen. I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait,
1: time is boring? Yeah.
0: <laughs> In the second movie, <laughs> he was a huge character. I would just blatantly like to say, and I don't care who knows it, that I thought that movie was. Awful. Oh no. But the funniest (laughs) thing that happened was he basically told her at the end, like after she did everything like he told her not to, right? (laughs) But then she somehow stumbled into like making it work out. And so he was like, I'll give you whatever you ask for, like you said with that. But then he was like, only if I never see you again. (laughs) 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 He was like, Get the fuck out of my palace. Yeah, it's like You (laughs) stupid girl.
2: So Tom, so Mm Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say time, there is a, a different aspect of time in Through the Looking Glass as well, but it's not, it's not a character. But in general, um, because, uh, either Lewis Carroll was very interested in clocks and circles and time, like time tends to be more personified in his work. So although time doesn't appear and you, you've just heard that, oh, they've had a quarrel. Um, I'm not surprised that they made that, they made time a bigger character because that is fascinating. <laughs>
1: So, but there's so much, I mean, there's so much to unpack here. Yeah. Cause you've got, I have never, I have never made, I haven't made the connection ever. There's so many characters that speak in riddles mm-hmm. in
2: Alice in Wonderland and the primaries speak in, in riddles, riddles. Yeah. And it's actually right. something that, um, annoys. So wait, for, for the Mad Hatter story, I'll just tell you how it ends really quickly before we, cause yeah, there's a lot more about riddles. <laughs> um, but the Mad Hatter story ends because Alice gets mad because they won't They won't be straight with her and they keep talking, you know, they're they're not answering her questions. And so she leaves the tea party and she uses, like, when she leaves the tea party, she finds a key. And she uses the key to enter a garden and that's the garden where the gardeners are painting white roses red because otherwise they'll get in trouble with the Queen of Hearts. So they're, ah, so they're going, (laughs) there's so much
1: imagery. imagery. We're painting the
0: roses red. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) yes and i was like i was getting we're too- like, and we're going back to and we're going back to Disney. i was
2: getting <laughs> instead of green to red it's white to red but you get it mm-hmm. so yeah no it is they're painting the white roses red and it's it's really funny because the three ca- the the queen soldiers are a card like they it's a deck of cards right so the three oh, i know because the three- <laughs> they're dancing i remember that song actually <laughs> but um they all the three um the three cards that are there that are painting the roses red are also primary numbered cards, <laughs> which I thought was a cute no! detail. Yep, it's a two, a five, and a seven.
1: <laughs> oh my god, you're making my Which brain is nuts. Heart. I just thought
2: that, I don't know if they remember that or th- that was a fun detail, but I definitely think that the tea party has a lot, like it, it did affect one of the writers for sure, because that's that kind of strongly comes across. And then that, um, the painting, I don't know if, if you guys just want to tweet that, but that, there's, uh, if you look at, I mean, even if you look at some of the illustrated versions, you'll see kind of what people have imagined the Tea Party to be and beca- and how people have imagined, like, oh, time's not moving. They are, but they're not going anywhere. And when they come back to the beginning, no one knows what happens. Oh, but yeah,
1: well, I'm, I am going to because it, it looks like a red forest. <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> and That's what I thought was crazy was that it looks like a red Who's forest. Pa- and whose painting was that? It is Do- it's a Salvador Dali painting. I mean – what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so you're telling me that there's a
1: there's a party where people are drinking tea and talking about stopping time so that you can live in the moment that you want to forever and the people talking about time speak in riddles. But
2: the key the key part of that is that time isn't moving because the Hatter got in a fight with time.
0: Yeah, they d- and they didn't want to be in that moment. No, they didn't. Like they didn't want like to They kept to be. moving around in order almost to like uh imitate time. Yeah. Like, as if something was changing yeah. and it wasn't.
2: Yeah, they didn't, they did not, they, the, the, it was very clear that he was in a fight with him and that he seemed to respect him because he's like, oh, but if you befriend him, he'll do anything for you. He's, he's like, great, but, but just right now we're fighting. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like how, how much that story tracks with, um, with, yeah, what we know of the show. So, and then the fact that they also just end up in a, that she ends up in a garden where they're painting the roses red just like blew my mind on, on a whole additional level. <laughs> so, um, so that's the Mad Hatter. There is another chapter, which also you're very familiar with if, if you've seen anything with Alice, which is the Caterpillar. And Alice asked Beep, the beep, the
1: Caterpillar was also the animated movie. Yeah. <laughs> <reason. laughs> oh, for I remember.
2: Sure. <laughs> I was like, He's, like, smoking Churching a pipe, everything. right? Yeah. I feel like he was uh-huh. smoking a pipe. He definitely was. <laughs> or a hookah. It's a hookah, because that's important in the story. Yeah, and he
0: just kept saying, who are you? Like, was, <laughs> oh, do it, it again. Do it again. No. <laughs> do it. That's a, that's a one-time thing. But he just kept saying that to her, like, over and over. He was so pissed, like, don't
1: talk to me. if have no idea who you are or what you're doing here. <laughs> See, Alicia, that would be the cold open, except she's the one that edits it.
2: That would be such a good cold open, though. It's always me forgetting stuff or fucking up. (laughs) Who are you? Like he just keeps on doing it. Oh my god, it's it's right there. But yeah, so in the actual uh, story, the original story, he actually gives her advice. So a lot of what Alice struggles with, and this you you know, with the drink me, eat me, whatever. A lot of what she struggles with is staying the right size, like, and not only staying the right. Size, But fitting into her surroundings. Because sometimes she's like, oh, I'm going to take a potion that makes me tiny and ends up in a place where everything else is big. Um, Sometimes she like takes the potion or like the mushroom wrong and like her neck is too long, but like the rest of her is the same size. Like she has a lot of trouble. So it's not about her size necessarily. She has a lot of trouble fitting into the size of her like fitting into her surroundings um and she's frustrated because not only is that happening on one side but on the other side she can't remember anything <laughs> she's she is just um so the caterpillar asks her to pr- like basically prove like what do you mean you can't remember anything like tell me this poem and she says the poem completely wrong and then she gets mad because she's like I can't remember anything um and so she's frustrated and she asks the caterpillar for advice and she asks the caterpillar don't you think it'll, like, and this isn't an exact quote, but she's like, like won't it be weird to turn into a butterfly for you? Um, and he was like, not really. Like, that's, um, you know, that's fine. <laughs> I'm going to become a butterfly. And But she admits to the caterpillar that actually, like, if I, w- if I was going to turn into a butterfly, that would be really hard for me um, because I um, she's not fitting in into the surroundings, and she's not remembering anything, and she's completely just lost. And she says to him that, like, yes, it would be difficult for me to turn into a butterfly, um, which I was like, that made me really sad. <laughs> but are you are- – so
1: now, because I remember, it's funny. So I, I don't know if it was intentional or not, because I remember listening to a podcast that not every caterpillar becomes a butterfly was like a placeholder line that they ended up keeping. Mm-hmm. I, if I'm remembering the like um, official sci fi podcast. Yes, correct right do you remember that but yes e- whether it was intentional or not or or maybe like it was and then they just like kind of ran with that imagery like later obviously they run with that imagery later on in the show that's so it's also an Alice in Wonderland
2: yeah absolutely like there's just it's references ever and like if you actually just read those individual chapters you'll be like the the symbolism is is like you will imagine how this fits into 12 monkeys like right away which is which was really amazing to me and there's like other so those are the two kind chapters i would say are the big ones but um and then the fact that the story ends at the beginning but also there's like little funny things like um the clock the rabbit with the clock who's always late that's like a again like a very um clear alice for and- a
0: very important date yeah <laughs> no time to say hello goodbye <laughs> i'm late i'm late i um
2: but <laughs> He's always yeah. like running in yeah. random holes um, and stuff, the rabbit, and like trying to get to. <laughs> he's places. always distracted. He's obsessed with this clock that he's holding on to. <laughs> He's like, um, and then he's always behind, yeah, and, like one step behind. And in one of the chapters, he actually mistakes, Je- I was going to say Jennifer, no, he actually mistakes Alice for like his maidservant and he like asks her to do something and Alice is like, what? <laughs> no. Um, well, she does. But it's like he he actually confuses her and like asks her to do stuff for him. And so I was like, this is, this is so bizarre that <laughs> this character is just like, Kind of occurring in and out of this story, but like I can see, I can see this like very being very symbolic of Cole in Jennifer's life. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then there's also a mouse that that Alice meets, and Alice is like trying to be polite at this point. Still, she gets more and more annoyed with the world that she goes on, but like at this point, she's trying to be polite, <laughs> so she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna be really nice and polite to the mouse," and she speaks in French to the mouse (laughs) and she's like oh um she thinks the mouse is French. She speaks in French too, and it just gets mad at her and like is offended And Leo, which, which I just thought was why like, would you assume a mouse is French? I have no idea. And the first question she asks this mouse, cause that's like all she knows in French is like, where's my cat? And the, the mouse is like, what? <laughs> and she like doesn't even have a cat. Like <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, so she has a cat in through the looking glass. And I, so I think, or, or maybe the real, um, the real Alice has a cat like in, in her life, and that's just all she knows in French. But, um, but yeah, there's like little things here and there that are like that will remind you just like comically of Jennifer. But like those two are the big, um, uh, chapters in Alice in Wonderland. And then through the looking glass is the next one. Please tell me if I'm boring you at some point, <laughs> but, but no, this is.
1: This is cr- I, I. This is awesome. Thank you so uh, much. Yeah, no, no problem. problem. I love it. I yeah. love this. So I was like super excited to get to. talk And I'm about it. looking at your last one, and your last
2: one is like everybody better. like, just Put your drink down. <laughs> put your drinks. So, put your drink down. So now we're getting into through the looking glass, which um, is a lot more of a cohesive story than through. Like Alice in Wonderland is more like a collection of
0: not things in that the happens. movie. Just so you <laughs> no, know,
2: no, not in. But it's the horrible. Oh God. Oh. The overall the overall um plot of the book is that she goes into this world through a mirror. And um I thought that was interesting that it came up right now because like Jennifer and the mirror in this episode, but yeah. <laughs> um but she goes through a mirror and she ends up in this backwards world and it's also a chess board and she has to make her way through the game of chess to to win at the end and become queen. So that's like the overall plot. But one of the chapters, um, in the book is her, uh, is Alice and the White Queen. So now it's the Red Queen and White Queen in this one. They have a discussion about time and memory. And the whole chapter is just their conversation about time and memory. And, um, and there's something happens that, um, basically it comes up from a discussion where Alice doesn't want Jam? <laughs> so the White Queen asked her if she wants jam. And she's like, Oh, I don't want jam today. And then the White Queen's like, Oh, you can only have jam tomorrow or yesterday but not today. <laughs> and then Alice is like, what? <laughs> Which is her a lot. <laughs> and then the white queen's like, oh no, you can have it every other day. But today isn't any other day. Like, haha. <laughs> and, and then, um, that, so that starts with Alice being like, um, well, I haven't had it. I haven't had the jam. And you're saying I can have it. To, like, I can't remember things before they've happened. That And that's exactly what she tells. Her, she's like, I can't remember things before they've happened. But then the white queen says, When you live backwards in time, memory works both ways and you can remember everything. Um, And then and then like she almost proves it because she actually starts bleeding and Alice is like, oh, my God, what's wrong? And then the, the White Queen pricks her finger after that. And that's what caused her bleeding, I guess before <laughs> so so she is, is seemingly She's got some messed yeah, up causality yes, views exactly and so the and it's consistent throughout Well, consistent but that kind of like lack of logic in terms of time is consistent because this is the opposite world in the mirror um so you have to run to stay still in in this book um and you have to um like they're, basically what you are trying to do you have to do the opposite to get that effect um and that the, it's kind of um this discussion talks about like why like oh you know if you're if you're going backwards of course you have to do the opposite and if you do the opposite you'll know everything like it's it's just such a weird way to talk about time and memory um but yeah that's one of the chapters in through the looking glass which huh.
0: okay but if i may mm-hmm. only one more comment about the movie <laughs>
1: Wait, which, which is terrible which, which movie The movie that The Looking hate? Glass oh, okay. yes. I it's thought you so were Going to
0: sing for oh. us again Oh no If I think of other song, Just somewhere in the Middle of the podcast I'll let you know um, <laughs> You can learn A lot of things From the flowers But anyway <laughs> Beyond that <laughs>
1: No idea that you had this like love for the Disney animated. I Alice love
0: Wonderland. it. I'm oh, learning I don't. So much. It's just everything Disney cartoons. Like, that's all I watched <laughs> when I was little. It was like Me all too. the Disney cartoons, all the oh, way back to you know, the ones from like the 60s and stuff. So, yeah,
1: all three of us had um, a crush on <laughs> <her>. <laughs> oh, okay.
2: I
0: <laughs> Sorry. My last comment about that movie was that, and I'm sure maybe this did happen in the book, but there's a period of time where she's trying to get away from somebody and so she's mm-hmm. going in and out of that world by just jumping through mirrors like oh. all over the place mm-hmm. like she jumps out of the mirror and she's in the real world and jump like runs and jumps through another mirror and is like back in and just like the only thing that i just really wanted to see out of that movie that i did not get was her just like thudding into
2: <laughs> that would have been and, like, very bouncing satisfying. off of
0: it and falling down. Because <laughs> she was like, you know, up on the rail, then like down on the ground, and then the one in the window, the wall, and I was just like, oh my God, please just run into something and like fall down.
2: As far as I remember, she only goes into the one mirror, and then she just wakes up at the end, because she's back at the beginning. Um, and at the, when she realizes, when she wakes up, she's like, uh, oh, the Red Queen actually doesn't exist, and it's uh, it's actually just her black cat. <laughs> she's obsessed with cats
0: but <laughs> so is this really all just about like the futility of life like
2: <laughs> while also complaining about math <laughs> right right
0: <laughs> in a mathematical sense of course um, the
2: futility. yeah I, th- I think he just really liked the idea of like going in a circle and not accomplishing anything but at the same time like i said there is some like theory that he was also making fun of so maybe he was just being like mean about it um i'm not sure like what Actually, like Lewis Carroll char- slash Charles's intentions were, but um, but yeah, that's what I get from it. Is that like logic? Like, if logic doesn't exist, then does anything else matter? Or if time doesn't exist, does anything else matter? Like, can you even accomplish anything? But you know what? At the end of Through the Looking Glass, Alice becomes a queen pretty randomly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she accomplishes something. Uh, because she made friends with time. <laughs> but the most funny part about the end of this book is, like, she becomes a queen. She makes it to the other side of the chessboard. And then, like, immediately they're like, now you have to throw us a party. You're queen. <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah. The- I think that was in the movie, which explains okay. a lot about why it was so awful. <laughs> so, yeah. So then the way it ends is that, again, like uh, Wonderland, there's a bunch of poems interspersed between. Um, and this is, yeah, this is going to be a little heavy. But uh, the last, the poem in Through the Looking Glass is um, about uh, time passing. It's about summer going away and about autumn uh, frost coming in. And um, it starts off really lovely. Like they're on a boat and um, the the imagery is supposed to be like um, Lewis Carroll used to Go like rowing with his family and with these kids and with his friends and whatever. And so like the, the idea is like, Oh, you're on a boat and like summer is dying and fall is coming and you're seeing it. But the very last, um, verse of it is in wonderland, they lie dreaming as the days go by, dreaming as the summers die, ever drifting down the stream. Life, what is it? But a dream. It's like, that's some fucking red forest shit, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I
0: didn't even think about it until you just said that. But is that also where row 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 your boat comes from?
2: Um no, I don't think so.
0: No. Okay. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: they do play around with, so at one point, um, I mean, it just says life is, military. yeah, <laughs> I don't well, know. at one point earlier, like in Wonderland, one of the characters is definitely like, um, twinkle, twinkle little bat. <laughs> like he just like plays around with, uh, I don't know why, why he's talking about a bat. I can't remember now, but they do have a I couple. I don't either, but that is in the cartoon. Okay. It is a mouse. And I, the mouse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The mouse. <laughs> he sleep, he sleeps a lot. The, the mouse just wants to, to sleep. Uh, Oh, yeah, he comes, like, out of the teapot yes, and yeah. just, like, says that, and
0: then he just, like, falls <laughs> back into it and goes to sleep again, and they're all just looking at him like, what the fuck? So,
2: it's funny because, like, she actually leaves the tea party because she gets mad at the mouse because, like, he's rude, um, and in the song, like, when Jennifer's walking in the song, the the last verse of the song tells you to listen to the to the mouse, listen to the dormouse, um, which I thought was really weird because, like, when I like when I looked up the lyrics, I was like, "No, you don't listen to him." <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> he didn't say anything that was useful, I don't think.
0: Yeah, this is cr- uh, oh. So who's the dormouse? Like Olivia? Do you think Olivia's the Red Queen? Eh, not right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we can be more than one thing see yeah there. so I like I associated her with like the queen of hearts in in Wonderland uh, versus the red queen but because um, the queen of hearts is the one who's like off with their heads <laughs> um, oh which Olivia literally yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> oh that just made myself oh. sad <laughs> but, um, in
0: this context though I just meant like in, in the more specific realm though like because I was going to say Emily. Yeah, her too. <laughs> Jennifer is listening to her and you're warning like, holy shit, you shouldn't be. So I was just putting it in that.
2: Realm. Yeah. No, but I, mostly you shouldn't be because he's like rude to her. <laughs> She's offended and she leaves. Um, I don't. Yeah. But it, it's and again, but she leaves to go into the to into the red. Painted trees, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's all like I really truly think that one of one of the writers or something must also like really love Alice in Wonderland because it's um, there's a lot here, <laughs> um, but especially yeah. like staying at half past one for as long as you like is uh, would, like really alarmed me, or it's always tea time.
0: <laughs> but the thing that's most alarming to me about that, especially being someone who has a very negative view of the Red Forest, is. The fact, like, just going back that, yes, you can stay there for as long as you want, but you're also stuck there even if you don't want to be. Yeah.
2: And none of, right. yeah. If they did not want to yeah. be stuck at tea. Yeah, them. it's a, it's definitely a bad thing. And like, they're clearly all going crazy because they're all wasting time. They all keep going around in a circle and they're not, they're not doing anything. Um And, and Alice obviously senses that and is like, nope, this is not useful to me <laughs> at all. Um And she moves on from it because that's it's not ever shown as like a good thing or a party or any, like it's, it's completely crazy and the fact that all of the all of the guests are also like these giant insects is also like a sign that something's not right (laughs) um
0: so alice has had the splinter injections and she can just move right along (laughs) yeah she has a key Ah. to
2: move on (laughs) um or she finds a key or something but uh yeah, no. Anyway, that's, that's my Alice, uh, and I like fully recommend, uh, just like, it, they're so short. I totally recommend you just read them to see how completely crazy they are. Um, and how much, uh, they actually talk about remembering things and memory and, and time and, um, ends and beginnings and all of that.
0: I think we should just do an episode where we watch the
2: cartoons. <laughs> 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 That's
0: all you're getting out of me. I just want to sing the songs. Oh, oh my man. I don't want any part of this, like,
1: math-hating nonsense. <laughs> um. Well, you know what we'll do? We will – Um. I wonder if – is Alice in Wonderland now free? Yes, she yes. It's on Project of- Gutenberg. Okay, so we will post the link to that and the chapters, mm-hmm. and then people can go after after the pod comes out, and then people can go look. Of course, um, I've
2: assigned you home. No, <laughs> I don't mean to assign yeah. you homework. But, um, and also that that it's not homework; it's enrichment, yes, exactly. <laughs> and definitely look out for that painting because, like, Dolly's vision is alarmingly close to like what. The red forest is described as, and it's like stabbing a clock. So, like you've killed time, and it, yeah, it's it's a it's very eerie. And that's from his
1: he he illustrated a version of yes, yeah. Oso, yeah right there's then. a
2: so there's I think they're like um he made these like small lithographs or something, but they for every chapter. So there's there's a dolly painting for every chapter, which are, it's it's a really cool series. So you should yeah Google it. <laughs> it
1: it is a red forest with butterflies stabbing a clock that is that is with a melting Mm -hmm. clock holy shit i'm looking at it (laughs) i'm gonna tweet it out so people can look at it it is crazy that is so cool yeah stabbing the clock the clock is melting everything is red oh it's so cool thank you so much for walking us through that um that's so fun. See, you are our Jones. <laughs> you have a PhD. <laughs> you just walked us through
2: literature and also referenced art. See, so, I was so happy. Never in my dreams I thought I'd be like excited to or get to talk about like Alice in Wonderland just like for, for like minutes and minutes on end. So thank you for indulging me, honestly. <laughs>
0: Oh, it was so fun. I don't think that Jones would stand one chapter of that.
2: Nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
0: <laughs> okay, so we're going to go ahead and cut this one off here. We got so far down the rabbit hole with our Alice in Wonderland conversation that we're going to turn this into a mini-sode, hand it to you, and bring you part two next week that's going to have episode 202. However, Since recording this, we have had several extra thoughts. And so Cece is here to bring you a list of updates that connects (laughs) Alice in Wonderland directly to the 12 Monkeys series.
1: Uh, I just think like I was so floored by everything Alicia was saying that then when we finished, I feel like we were making all of these connections. And I'd love to hear, you know, we're. We have. I will sort of recirculate it on Twitter, but we've been posting all of the chapters that Alicia discussed, both in Alice in Wonderland and through the Looking Glass, and just in doing those, there were just a couple things that, you know, what? Who knows if any of this was intentional, but it's just fun to make these kinds of connections. Um, The one of them was. The story in Wool and Water that's in the uh, Through the Looking Glass that is the story about the White Queen, her finger bleeding before it's actually pricked. Mm -hmm. So, like Alice in season, both season one and season two, with Cassie's tea induced Red Forest visions, she sees the blood and the blood washed away before she or we ever see the injury to Cole's hand. So, that sort of memory of tomorrow with a, seeing a blood before the wound actually occurs, it's just sort of interesting that, that you, you can kind of make that connection with that imagery um, and just kind of like what happens when time is out of whack and things are happening and how that affects memory. There's just a lot to think about there. Especially um, when
0: you add in the fact that even though it was her tomorrow, it
1: happened in the past. So it's right. time being linear, <laughs> right? Um, there's yeah, there's just so much, there's so much to unpack there, and we and we still are, but just since we talked with Alicia, we were just our our wheels were going round and round. Um, the other one was this one's like a little bit more obvious, but um, in season four when Cassie describes. Sort of like a conclusion of everything they have been doing for four seasons is we're stuck in a loop. Mm-hmm. Um, it just brings it back to this idea of the mad tea party and time being angry or time missing and the characters going around and around in a circle and they're in a loop and they can't get out of it you know until they find that key it, that's sort of separate than the red forest issue right it's it's time is angry um and then the counterpoint to that is when time is on your side time will do things for you and that's sort of like ultimately we get sort of the first inkling of that in Lullaby, but sort of the conclusion of the story is because they reconcile with time and fix things, time then is is their friend, right? They they get right. to keep cold, which sort of goes back to what the Mad Hatter was saying uh, during the Mad Tea Party. So that kind of just jumped out as well. There was another – when uh, they were talking about – Alice, the, the conversation with the caterpillar and Alice, whether she's too big or too small, but she never fits in that world. It just reminded me of going back to our conversation with Aaron, picking up sort of the same idea from Frankenstein, but when things are messed with in the natural order and characters not fitting into that natural order. Um, and I guess in this case that would be Cole in that, you know, he doesn't fit (laughs) and that's what's. Yeah. Nature
0: can never really make a place for them.
1: Right. And then, I mean, I think it's funny because when you dig in a little bit more into this idea of time is missing in the mad tea party, the riddle, why is a raven like a writing desk is actually a, Critique of a theory of quote unquote, it's called pure time, and it's a theory that Alicia wanted to make sure we we're like, you know, Lewis Carroll was wrong <laughs> because the <laughs> theory is right. But what Lewis Carroll was concerned about was it was a theory that was he thought severing cause and effect. So severing causality, Mm -hmm. and that's why he writes that chapter and that riddle. Why is a raven like a writing desk? It doesn't make sense because he's he is reacting to this idea of if you sever cause and effect, if you sever causality, then things don't make sense. So it's just kind of a fun connection. I mean, I think it's clear that like Lewis Carroll would not be a fan of Katerina or Elliot Jones, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. right? Because that's And then the last thing that we thought a little bit more about after talking was that final poem that ends through the looking glass. We talked a little bit about um, life is just a dream and how that was that a little bit like that disconcerting what is real, what is not real, like the final red leaf image in the finale. But the other thread to sort of pick up is that imagery... And the way it concludes is because Alice has been restored to the real world and she's enjoying a sort of idyllic summer day, but it is also foreboding because the poem makes clear that the passage of time is restored and that summer is turning to autumn and autumn is when things begin to die, Mm -hmm. which is very, very similar to the... Final images of the finale, if you think, you know, putting aside the Red Forest question, if you take it at face value that what we're seeing is real, it's the same sort of characters enjoying an eye, you know, a wonderful moment in, in sort of beautiful natural setting, but summer is ch- changing to fall because things die. So right. Like
0: when really- Cole says that time moves as it should, I mean, that what that ultimately means is that we're steadily traipsing toward our end. Right. Right. Yeah,
1: um, and then here was a really fun thing. I had forgotten that Terry Gilliam, the director of the Twelve Monkeys film, his first solo directorial debut was an adaptation of the Jabberwocky poem from Through the Looking Glass. So who knows what it, you know? Whether there was anything else from Alice in Wonderland or Through the Looking Glass that inspired. His other film, Twelve Monkeys, but clearly, sort of like these ideas that Lewis Carroll was playing with about time and things out of order and people talking in riddles and all sort of like this kind of kind of nonsense world. It was clearly like a, a, a sandbox that Terry Gilliam was playing in, and so it's just kind of fun to think about those connections that go back even even to the film. Mm. Did you have anything else, Pete? I don't think so. Think of like ten other things, but we want to hear from you guys.
0: Yeah. So let us know what you think.